Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello again, dear listeners. Only a few weeks ago, we ushered in a new year, the year of our Lord 2016. Am I mistaken, or is it perhaps so that you too joined the throng who made some New Year's resolutions? If so, how are you doing about keeping those resolutions? Don't worry. You wouldn't be all by your lonesome if you would have to admit that you've fallen prey to what we may call the resolution failure syndrome that nasty list of admissions labeled, I tried, but things got in the way. Never mind, it has been proven time and again that New Year's resolutions quickly go the way of the dodo bird and the Tasmanian tiger. They seem to fold up and disappear. A pity, but it just is so. And yet there is a resolution that cannot fail one that is absolutely reliable to come to fulfillment and a graduation of sorts. Oh, you say you want to know what it is? Let me tell you, it's God's own resolve to give you and me new life in the way of faith. Faith in Jesus Christ and in his death and resurrection. I say this in all confidence because the Bible doesn't lie. It says not only that by his death Jesus Christ has paid for the sins of all those who believe in him, by his resurrection power, Christians are raised to a new life. Christ's resurrection has amazing benefits for those who believe. With his resurrection from the dead, he began to hand out great and good gifts which he had earned. The first of those gifts that he makes believers share in is his righteousness. Now, you might say, okay, but what can I do with that? A great deal, for it means something like that you get a new set of clothes. And if, as the saying goes, clothes make the man, these clothes the Bible talks about are most special for they are washed in the blood of the Lamb, that Lamb being Christ. If you should lay claim to those clothes, which you can by God's grace and through faith in Him, you are in a marvelous position, for it means that there is a true and lasting peace between you and God. It means your and my guilt, because of our horrible sins, are fully paid for. To use the biblical word, you now are justified. That means God is not angry with you anymore. And with those new bright and clean clothes, you receive access to what the Bible calls the marriage feast of the Lamb in the New Jerusalem. But then, that's not all. There is a second and even a third benefit to believers because of Christ's resurrection. The second is that by His power... You, believer, that is, are raised up to a new life. And that's not just a benefit to be cashed in, as it were, after this life in heaven. 
No, you and I can have that new life today. No, you can't borrow or buy it. Though you may beg it, asking, pleading for it in the way of true faith. And you may receive it by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Just listen for a moment to what the Apostle Paul says about it in what is called his letter to the Romans, chapter 6. There, this ambassador of Jesus Christ insists that Christians can simply not continue to live in sin just because God's grace is so strong and so great that it can turn even the most hardened sinner's life around. No, says Paul, an insistence on continuing in sin if you confess to believe that Christ died for you would be a horrible contradiction. For if you truly believe in him, you are united to him. You're marrying those new clothes obtained for you by his death, remember? But then, if you believe in his resurrection, and you and I should, you also have a part in that sanctified or holy life which is yours as a result of Christ's resurrection. For Jesus was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Death simply has no power over him. Sin and its accompanying curse, namely death, has no power over him. And so for believers united to Christ and his resurrection, life in sin cannot live anymore. They can't just surrender to sinful passions, thoughts, and desires anymore. They have been raised with Christ to a new life. Says the apostle in another letter, that to the Galatians, Christ and the Holy Spirit have seen to a new creation, that is, a redeemed people, a people bought back from the power of sin and death, a people that looks day by day to their resurrected Savior. What does that mean, practically? Well, this, that each day you and I die to sin, that is, shunning, hating sin and pride, immorality and loveless, lifeless arrogance and every hint of selfishness and hatred of others. Instead, the new life signals peace and joy and the pursuit of true happiness in the service of a risen Lord. It means as well a love and a delight for other members of God's household of faith that which the Bible calls the communion of faith. Oh yes, it is a battle, this new life, for the devil and this sinful world and even one's old miserable human nature will try to oppose this way of living. While the resurrected Christ and the Holy Spirit call for us to live a life of thankfulness and of humility and sincere love for others, those enemies of theirs and ours will try to throw cold water on what they call the Christian's childish ambitions. They'd have us doubt God's word and insist on our human rights, our clamoring for the self, the me, the myself, and I, no matter how sinful and how futile these slogans are. Would you and I cherish this new, this sanctified life in the resurrected Savior, then we certainly will have to be genuinely sorry when we have provoked God with our sin. 
The psalmist David, though he was a man after God's heart, once committed adultery with a woman next door. When the prophet Nathan had come to him and pointed out his sin, David cried to the Lord. His penitence is recorded in what we now know as Psalm 51 in the Bible. And there David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. In that way, the way of repentance, David could live a life of love and delight in his Lord and Savior again. The shackles of shame which had weighed him down were removed. He could breathe the clean and purified air of the new life again. Many years later, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome that God's people there might present themselves to God as those who had been brought from death to life. Well then, dear listeners, let us rejoice in God's resolve to give this wondrous gift of new life to those he has set apart for himself. It is a living gift, and it is freely given. Elsewhere, the Bible calls it the new life in the Spirit. Practicing Walking in that new life and in that new relationship to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit leads believers in what the Bible calls a triumphal procession. That procession is like the victory parade that a general in ancient times would lead on the returning to his own city, the vanquished captives following behind his chariots. But now believers whose hearts have been captured by God, have been joined to Christ's chariot. They are joyful, exuberant captives, and they enter God's own city with the sounding of trumpets. May it be your resolve to cherish being joined to that procession. May many more be joined to live the new life, even as we look forward to the day God will make all things new. More about that the next time, the Lord willing. Amen. And thank you so much for tuning in to this broadcast.